Welcome back to another edition of the Vandal Scoreboard Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Kellogg, and I'll be joined today once again by Braden Kane, where we'll talk about men's and women's basketball for the University of Idaho ahead of their matchups against Montana and Montana State. We'll also take a look at our college basketball game of the week, trades going down in the NBA, and also our thoughts on the Super Bowl this past weekend. We'll finish things off, of course, with our Mike Leach Awards. Thank you all for listening, and as always, Go Vandals! Welcome to the Vandal Scoreboard Podcast. Zach Kellogg here, joined once again by Braden Kane. We talk everything Vandal sports and also a whole, ho- whole host of other things. A lot of NBA coming up today, but first, of course, we got to talk about Idaho basketball. First, we're starting off with the women. They are 8-2 and two right now in the big sky, um, coming off wins against Northern Arizona and Southern Utah. Um, Braden, I know I've been covering this team a lot for the Argonaut and also for our Inside the Vandals production show, but... Just from a little bit of what you've seen, how have you been feeling about this women's team? Um, you know, they've won four in a row now, so that's obviously a good thing um, since that Montana loss. And I think they'll definitely come back and beat Montana at home. I think we played pretty well at home. Um, Montana State, still kind of the team you should look out for. They're 1-1 one one versus Northern Colorado, the other top team in the conference. So, um, And the other thing, um, as you noted earlier, um, before we started the podcast, Michaela Ferran's about to become the all-time leading scorer if she scores 15 points or more. So by the end of the season, yeah, she's going to be the all-time by by quite a bit, I bet. So yeah, she's gonna she's just 15 point 15 points behind the record, which is 2,240. I want to say right now, um, that's what the current record is, and she just needs 15 points to break that record. And we still have about six games left in the season yeah. after this Montana one. So it's like we still have a lot of basketball left to play. So friends will probably own that record for years to come. It has stood since two thousand since the 2000 season. So it's going to stand for a very long time yep. because not very often you get a player like Ferenz who can just score the ball so efficiently from everywhere on the mm-hmm. floor. But, yeah, I'm expecting two wins at home this week. We play really well at home. We're 3-1 and one at home. Our only loss is to Northern Colorado at home, which is understandable. But – and plus, Montana's been averaging 49 points per game since we last played them, so that is very low for yeah even women's college basketball. <laughs> like, yeah, and just one more thing before I kind of get into Montana. Pierce, Taylor Pierce, coming the fourth yep. player ever in women's basketball D1 to knock down 400 career threes. Once again, just three other players ever doing that, so just congratulations to her on that accomplishment. It's very impressive. It is all she does. <laughs> she does it well, though. She, she, does, she does it, obviously, she, she does, does it, it very well. At a super elite level. I think that just right now, just kind of saying friends and Pierce will probably mm-hmm. get a look at in the WNBA just because of how many records they will have by the time yeah. this season ends at Idaho. They'll get looked at, i say, even as a practice squad or something like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, just seeing Taylor Pierce from last year to this year, she's definitely extended her range quite a bit. Oh, without a doubt. Those last home games we had, she was pulling up from pretty deep, I would say. So um, she definitely has improved her shooting every year by far. So it is definitely, um, it makes sense why she is the fourth all-time yeah. leader in uh, three-point field goals made. So very good for her, great accomplishment. Congrats, yeah. Taylor. Yeah, and now looking at first at Montana, that game will be on Thursday once again here in Cowan. The last time these two teams played was actually the last loss Idaho suffered, 82-79 in Missoula. Jace Henderson, the, the senior forward for the Grizzlies, she had 31-12 and in that game, a career night. She is third in the Big Sky in rebounds per game. Uh, Coach Newley uh, for the women's team, he said that she is going to be the kind of the main focus. They can't allow her to have that kind of performance. Because that was one player I brought up in the pregame. He was like, oh, we can shut them down. She just had an amazing night. So yeah. Natalie uh, Natalie and Lizzie Klinker will have their hands full. Izzy Haddon also on the defensive end. They will really have to try and lock her down. And it will be an interesting – it will be interesting to see if they're able to do that because if I think they – I think they will, they'll roll to an easy win at home. Yeah, I definitely think that they will um, They'll beat Montana in this game and be able to contain her a lot better. Montana's just been – I mean, they, they I think they just played one of the best games of this of their season against us, honestly. I think so, yeah. um, You know, because they've, they've lost North Col- Northern Colorado by 11, and I'm not sure if they've played again. Nope, they that's coming up for them. But, you know, they lost North Col- Northern Colorado. They have losses to Eastern Portland State. And since they've beaten us, they've just gone back and forth. Win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. So, yeah. Um, 
I, I yeah, I think this team's pretty inconsistent right now, and like I said lately, a lot of low scoring for them. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely thinking that uh, we'll be able to pull out a win. 34 points against Idaho State for Montana. Yeah, that was not a. Idaho State, I think, is number one right now, tied with Northern Colorado for the for the one spot in the Big Sky. But if you can't even score 40 points. Yeah, well, and they like, they held them to 50, so it was 50-34. But I'm guessing that was just like Idaho State got ahead, and they were just like, we're not even gonna, we're just gonna put the reserves in, just not even worry about it. Yeah, and then they had 72 points in a win against Weber, and then 52 against Montana State. So yeah, so the, yeah, this team is just pretty inconsistent, and um, they got rocked by Montana State. Yeah. Yeah, and Montana, twenty-two point loss. Yeah, and now looking and looking at Montana State, Idaho beat them eighty-two to sixty-six in Bozeman, mm-hmm. just a a route, in, including in front of that amazing home crowd. Uh, Claire uh, Lundberg for the Bobcats. That's their leading score. The Vandals let, held her to eleven points in that game. It was a really poor shooting night. Um, Coach Noy said that Tori, Tori Martell and Alania Squires. Those are two players coming up, but he's he is still very confident in his team that they'll be able to just come out of here with the win at home and pretty much replicate just that kind of defense performance again yeah I'm almost more scared for the Montana State game than I'm in the Montana game I think Montana State has more ability to beat us seeing as they've beaten Northern Colorado before I feel like they just uh they're also just an inconsistent team and Mm -hmm. I feel like they show up better in big games I know Montana beat us once but I think the girls should be more worried about the Montana State game than, than the Montana one this week but I mean the Montana game is going to be a huge indicator of you know how we'll play going into Montana State, so we'll have to see how they do Thursday night. I think we'll be good. We had some <clears> time <throat> to rest, some time to get some practice in. Because, I mean, coming off those wins on the road, now we're back home. It's like, unless like we just have, like kind of last time against Montana, just a bad game, like we just or we couldn't get things done on the defensive end or just weren't playing our style basketball, I think we'll just get a clean sweep. But like you said, that Montana game will be a big indicator to how we'll play against the Bobcats if we come out bad come out rusty and tired and slow, that that could mean, and we still pull out the win, that'll still be bad going into Montana State because that team will have a bit of confidence down, and it'll be interesting to see how they're able to kind of rebound to that. Mm-hmm. Um, next up now for the men's team, they're on the road, once again, against Montana, Montana State, Braden. Uh, first up, we know that the men are on a, I believe, a six-game losing streak yep. right now. Um, is there kind of any chance that they'll pick up a win against these two schools on the road? You know, I'm not really seeing any ways we could outright pick up a win. Um, obviously, we, we stuck with Montana for a while the last time we played them. Kind of uh, let the game get away from us with about eight minutes to go. But, I mean, we are uh, – Coach Verlin's definitely um, trying out some different things with his team. Um, he's rotating almost his whole bench now because, um, you know, Marco Frazier's out. Um, Chance Garvin has been out with an injury as well. Yep. So he's down to about five guys on the bench. And Xavier Smith is the only guy who hasn't gotten too many minutes, at least in these last two games. But mm-hmm. he is definitely doing about a nine-man rotation as of late. And uh, he's trying to get more back into the inside-out game, which I completely agree with. And then what's frustrating is I feel like they get away from it when it's working. Or they might miss a couple shots down low, and then Trayvon and Cameron start putting up stuff from outside yeah. again. But I've seen it be super successful as far as you – know, shooting percentage, quality of shots they're getting whenever they try to get it down mm-hmm. low. And then it really opens up Jared Rodriguez's game. It allows him to get more outside shots on the wing that are yeah. a lot more open um, when, we're, when we just keep feeding him inside because then guys are worried about him with that nice little hook he has. He's a real lanky player, real yep. lengthy, got some got some long arms. So um, he And he's been shooting the ball from outside really well lately due to him getting his inside game more um, relevant in games. But, yeah, I, I just – I don't see us picking up wins in these games. This team, like I, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if we won a game. If we beat yeah. teams like this, we're fully capable of it. Oh, without a doubt. We're, it's just yeah. it's just that it comes down to the chemistry thing again. Guys are still trying to figure out how their game works within the offense. Um, Cameron Tyson's been having a little bit of some shooting woes lately. He came on at the end of the Southern Utah game and had 20 in that game, but he's not shooting the ball as well as he was in the beginning of the year. But, you know, just just to hate to say, just a rebuilding year for the team. You know, we don't have any seniors, so plus we have the transfer that came from Oregon State. I can't remember his name once again. Yeah, Jack something, but yeah, he's, he's, he's a big dude. He's like 6'10", 6'11", so mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, next year will be an awesome thing to see. I wish I would still be here to be able to witness everything in person. But, yeah, I mean, they just got to keep fighting, keep getting better. I think – 
Verlin's starting to find the guys who play really well together. So, um, you know, just one step at a time. Yeah, it's just one of those things. It's just hard to do a rebuild process because no one wants to lose. No one wants to be the bad team on campus, especially when you have a women's team that is so successful and doing so well this season. It, it's just hard for that men's team. But like you said, they'll we everyone knew going into this season it was going to be a rebuilding year, and I think that'll be good for this team. They'll come out of it. Next season, they'll have that chemistry. They'll have gone to the very bottom of the big sky, <laughs> yeah. and they'll have the crap being out of them through this entire season. And guess what? They'll come back next yeah. year. They'll know what to expect. They'll know what it takes to kind of hang with these teams because they already hang with some of them for about three quarters. It's just that fourth quarter yeah. where they can't finish games. Um, like, you, like you said, I won't be surprised if they win a game, but uh, like against Montana, Tyler Hall, he is just such an absolute Montana monster. State. Tyler Hall is a Montana State. Oh, Montana State, yeah, yep. Tyler Hall. And then, like, for Montana, you have Ahmad Rory and, and Jamar Aiko. It's just – there's just so much scoring on those teams, and we're just not that great defensively yet. I would say that we're probably going to get swept this weekend. But like you said, rebuilding year, and we shouldn't take it – they shouldn't take it too hard yep. at least for, in terms of our players. And Coach definitely is, and he's um he's still a very great person to interview every week. Mm-hmm. I interview him usually on Mondays or Tuesdays, and – he, he brings a great demeanor. He brings a great spirit with him every time. You can tell he uh, definitely any coach is going to be frustrated when you have one winning conference yeah. and four wins overall. So, But he definitely understands, too, that you know it's just one step at a time, and he's getting his team prepared to be even better next year. So next year will literally be a uh, started from the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> now we're finally here, you know, in a sense. But we'll have to see what happens. You don't know if any guys are going to transfer out. I don't um, see why they would. I think they would already put in their transfer request at this point in the yeah, season. Definitely. And I don't know why they'd wait till the end of the year. And it's like, oh, we could be good next year. Never mind, I'm out because mm-hmm. we're getting a new center. And it's like yep. we're teaching the – it just wouldn't make sense if they did. Wouldn't be super mm-hmm. surprised, but it just wouldn't make a ton of sense. Just two areas Coach Roland's been stressing to me and obviously his team as well that, that, that they need to improve in is uh, rebounding is one. Yep. I think we've been getting out-rebounded in just about every single conference game. And – the O boards are a problem for us. Um, when we're on defense, it, our opponent is able to get offensive rebounds pretty mm-hmm. easily, and then just free throws. We can't get to the line, and I think that's why he started to go more toward an inside-out game. And our free throws have gone up a little bit the last couple games, um, yeah. but we were just getting single-digit free throw attempts in games. And you know, you can't. You got to be physical. You got to get some guys in foul trouble if you want to have some of that momentum and advantages in a game. So. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things that he thinks they need to work on a lot. Um, so we'll see if they can improve those things this week. All right. Well, we will now take a break. And when we come back with the Vandal Scoreboard podcast, we'll look at our college game of the week and also a lot of NBA trade news and rumors when we come back. Welcome back to the Vandal Scoreboard podcast. Zach Kellogg here with Braden Kane. First, as always, we're taking a look at college basketball. Um, let's first take a look at our, our predictions. Last week, we had uh, USC at UW, Gonzaga at BYU, and Montana at Montana State. Braden, how did you do in our in our little predictions? I went 2-1-1. I got the Montana-Montana State game wrong. I thought the Bobcats could pull an upset off at home, which I think they were close. I'm pretty sure they were pretty. That's the women. Um, I want, I want to say it was a pretty close game. It was a five-point game. Yeah. It was 83-78, so close game. Montana pulled it out in the end. Both really good teams, but, yep, I picked. I got the Gonzaga game right, and uh, UW is still undefeated in the Pac-12 and still unranked. Yeah, and I I got the sweep. Uh, I'm a little (laughs) proud about that. I think we thought that Gonzaga or BYU and USC were going to give up more of a fight, but then UW and – Gonzaga just kind of did what they did what they do and just kind of rolled yep. in those games and yep. but I mean the Montana Montana second that could have gone either way and yeah I'm not betting against Montana anytime soon because it's that team like we just kind of talked about a little bit ago is just so talented and winning at in a rivalry game like that that just kind of puts it just a little bit more sweeter just a little bit higher on the impressive ones uh, of the year definitely yep and so just one game on our games to watch this week Duke at Virginia ACC matchup uh, Duke, um, top five in the country. Virginia, right up there too. Both very elite schools. Braden, who do you got in this one? You know, I'm taking Virginia in this one, but I'm also going to note that Duke badly, badly needs this win. It doesn't seem like it, but this. Okay, so their last nine games of the year, five out of those nine games are ranked games. 
and four out of those five ranked games are on the road. So they have a very, very end-of-the-year schedule um, ahead of them. And, you know, taking this loss could just be the start to this really rough schedule. And obviously you don't want to take a loss going into this really tough nine-game yep. stretch. So I think Virginia's going to pull it out because they're at home. And Duke got the last one. So I think, you know, Tony Bennett's the coach, I think, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I think Tony Bennett's going to prepare his team for this one to come out and get a win. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, Duke has to play at number 16, Louisville, three days after the Virginia game. And then they play North Carolina at home. North Carolina is number eight. That's their only home game out of those ranked games. Yep. And they go at number 11, Virginia Tech. And then they go at number eight, North Carolina, to end the year. Plus some notable games in there at Syracuse. Already handed Duke one of their losses. So mm -hmm. they'll have to travel to uh, – Jim Beheim's arena or whatever it's called. I'm not sure what the Syracuse arena is called. It, I knew it, it, it too. It's in their Air Carrier Dome or the Carrier yeah, Dome or something. A, it's in their football stadium, just like yeah. kind of how the the Vandals do it here. They yeah. have they set up a court out there, cut off, cut about ha cut in half for seating, and mm -hmm. it's pretty it's pretty interesting. But yeah, going up there, it is not an easy place to play. You know, and they also have NC State at home after Louisville, and NC State's one of those teams who's in and out of the rankings all year. So very tough schedule for, the, for them ahead. But I, I'm taking Virginia in this one. I'll be taking the Cavs. You see, um, with both both these teams being the ACC, number two Duke, number three Virginia, the ranking, like in terms of just ranking, if you just look at it, you'd be like, oh, this is going to be a great game. And I also think it will be. I'm taking Duke in this one, though. Um, they Virginia lost to Duke earlier this year. That was just by two points when Duke was number one. That was, I think we're just going to have a very similar game, similar game, but I think Duke kind of knows what it takes to beat this team since they did it, once again, just by two points. And same as Virginia, this is also going to be a tough stretch for tough stretch for them. After this game, they play at number eight North North Carolina, at home versus Notre Dame, on the road against Virginia Tech, on the road against Louisville, and then they play at home against Louisville to end the year, along with a game at Syracuse. The Simil yeah, so very similar schedule. Um, the ACC is just that just so it has so many quality teams yeah, in there very competitive so yeah i think whoever wins this game they are setting themselves up to be the overall one seed going into march madness or going to the acc tournament yep definitely so agree. this game has huge implications not only for this one matchup but i think as the momentum just kind of carrying through the rest of the conference season i'm taking duke in this one though i just i find it hard to bet against these guys especially since they beat virginia already but like you said it's going to be a one possession game i think all the way in all the way down until about the final 30 seconds i think and four free throws start coming in mm -hmm. and speaking of duke we have to bring up the almighty zion zion, zion Williamson. I, I, I just i had to bring up this headline i saw because as you you've heard in the previous podcast i'm not a huge zion fan i i've been saying that i don't think he's going to be as good in the nba as everyone thinks and uh, mr jalen rose agrees with me uh, the headline for this video said um, Zion won't be quote an MVP MVP caliber player in the NBA. What are your thoughts on that? I I think it's true. I I I like Zion, but I'm kind of with you on that. I don't think he's gonna be a top five player in the league. He's not gonna be at all. I don't think he's gonna be the oh Z this is Zion Williamson's league. Mm -hmm. No, he'll be a good player. He'll be an all star. That's without a doubt. His athleticism is almost second to none at this point. Is even though he's just a freshman in, in college. But I think going in the NBA, you have to adapt your game. And I think it's going to take a few years for him to do that. And he won't do it to the extent of a LeBron James or even a, a Giannis who can just swing the ball around and be a, yep. a point forward. Or I think a, like a Luka Doncic or a Trey Young who just have such large scoring arsenals where they can just pull anything out of their bag and drop 30 points a night. It's going to be difficult for Zion to kind of reach that same peak. He's going to drop about, probably about 20 a game by his second or third year. But I don't think he's going to be an MVP carrying his team all the way to the finals or into the playoffs. He's going to be with another guy, and he'll be the second fiddle, but he'll be a solid player. But I agree he won't be an MVP candidate. Mm -hmm. And I, I obviously I completely agree with his statement. I've been saying it this whole time. But um, And then the other thing, too, I, I really think about is, um, you know, when you're that explosive of a player, you're that much more prone to injuries, as we see. exactly. we've seen with Derrick Rose. We've seen with, um, you know, Paul George even. We've seen with... Russell Westbrook hasn't had any very serious serious injuries, but he definitely has missed time as a as a Thunder player before. So yeah, that's the thing I think about. You know, when you have a guy who's getting off the floor that much, he's doing some pretty acrobatic dunks and things of that nature. The risk for his injury definitely goes up compared to a guy you know who's just nailing threes from the outside or you know just a really crafty finisher or something. Yeah. So um, that's the other thing I really take into account as well. So there's definitely some. Um, 
pros and cons to picking up a guy like Zion, but I totally agree. I don't think he'll be an MVP kind of player in the league. I feel like for his first couple years, he'll be kind of like a Derrick Jones Jr. If you remember him from the dunk contest, he's on the heat right now. Just one of those guys, super athletic. He'll get you points. He'll get you rebounds, just pure athleticism, but he won't be a star player. I think he has a much higher ceiling than Jones, obviously, but I think Zion will be an all-star by his third year, averaging probably about 18, 22 points a game, but he'll be an all-star, but we won't be an MVP. That'll still mm-hmm. be in the hands of, I think by that time, it'll be in the hands of Luca. It'll still be in the hands of Steph. It'll still be, in, it'll be in the hands of Giannis, it, the hands of Ben Simmons, maybe Joel Embiid, if mm-hmm. that thing kind of, who knows, but I mean, you get what I'm saying though. And, and I believe that there's um, athleticism in the collegiate level and there's athleticism at the NBA level and they are not the same. So I think he's by far the most athletic player in college basketball. And I think Without he'll a be a very good athlete in the NBA. But like I said, you get to that next level, now everyone's kind of that – they're all up on that next level that you're already on. Yeah, it's you're, like, you're not the standout athlete now in the NBA. It's like there's a couple guys who might be more athletic than you now, Zion. You know, like Yeah, like in, in the ACC especially, since there's so many guys going to the NBA probably, you're probably going to find about one of those on each team. In the NBA, you have – probably eight of those guys on every yeah. team that can just legitimately match, maybe not match athleticism, but can hang with you for all four quarters and either lock you down or keep you in check, not let you go on some huge scoring run or mm-hmm. get a ton of breakaway dunks. And I, I got to bring this up to uh, staying in the college basketball realm. Michigan State dropping three in a row. See, we were close to you. You were close we to were that close. upset, but and like you were right when it's saying that they were prone to a, a streak after going on that nine, I think up to a 10 game winning streak after the win against Iowa. They lost three in a row, and they haven't been great losses. They have been all pretty un- ugly. All unranked at the time. I know Purdue, I'm pretty sure, is in the rankings again now. But well, yeah. yeah, at Purdue, Indiana at home, and at Illinois. That Illinois one just stinks. Is Indiana is kind of that storied school. They always yeah. have good players. But Illinois, they have never really been, as far as not, I can think. Not as of late at all. Yeah, I was like, as of late, they have not been a powerhouse or a really good team at all. So that one... That that hurts. That hurts mm. for this Michigan State team. Kind of like the ACC, it's the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten's the best basketball conference in this country. So you got to come every week. And that's yeah. why, like you said, I was not comfortable with them winning 13 in a row. I'm like, you're gonna, you're gonna drop a game. It's it's the Big Ten, and I think Tom Izzo knows that too. I'm not worried about Michigan State. I think they needed some losses, maybe not three in a row to unranked teams, but uh, I think they're gonna be fine. I think they're. I mean, I think they make it to the Big Ten championship regardless. So. And yeah. they'll be in the tournament as a top four seed. Yeah, I think Michigan State, like, I agree the Big Ten is probably the most, the best overall conference in basketball, but then I think the ACC has better teams. Like, it's more top-heavy. Uh-huh. Like, the best, like, top three or four teams. But then if you just compare conferences, I say the Big Ten overall has a higher quality of talent just across the board. And so, yeah, that hurts for Michigan State. They'll be fine. I mean, it's Michigan freaking State. Tom Izzo runs that program. It's that Midwest, dude. And but It's, 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 it's the... The South for basketball, you know, the South for football is the South for basketball is the Midwest. So yeah, just they love their basketball around there. <laughs> All right, and next up, we are going to talk a lot of NBA with the trade deadline coming closer. We have had a few kind of blockbuster big trades that will change the rest of the NBA season. Um, we also have some trade rumors still regarding AD with the Lakers putting up an amazing offer. But first, Kristaps Porzingis going from the Knicks to the Dallas Mavericks. Here's what the trade details are. Kristaps, uh, along with Trey Burke, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Courtney Lee are going to Dallas in exchange for DeAndre Jordan, Wesley Matthews, Dennis Smith Jr., a 2021 first-round pick, and a 2023 first-round pick. That is top 10 protected. Braden, your initial thoughts on this trade? Watch out for the Mavs. I think they're about to make a run in the West. Um, I know they don't have Kristaps yet, but, I mean, Tim yeah. Hardaway has been having a year. Trey Burke is back in his element as a player. Yeah, and then well, what was the last guy they got with him? Uh, Courtney, Courtney Lee. Lee, and he's a solid three and D player. Like he he's, definitely is. He, he was know, good he, in Memphis, and he was solid in New York. Hey, he made his mark in Orlando, and they're making those runs with Dwight Howard. Exactly. So he definitely has playoff experience. He knows what it takes to make it to an Eastern Conference Finals. So, I think the Mavs are going to be really good, and I, I think this was a really smart move by Mark Cuban. And I actually read an article about the trade. And he says he completely regrets splitting up Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki. And that's yeah. kind of what was going through his head when he saw this opportunity. He was like, I keep these two players together. They're going to mesh really well. I just think it's funny how they're both from Europe. And, you know, <laughs> they he's both, like, like they're going to work so well. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, and they both, like, in Kristaps' first press conference, he was like, yeah, I played with Luca in Spain, really love the guys. Like, I can't wait to play with him. It's like, 
this just seems almost like a match made in European basketball heaven. Like, mm-hmm. literally, the, probably the two best players to come out of Europe in, I'd say, the last 10 years, I want to oh, say. Definitely. Like, since since Dirk probably came to the league. And yep. then, like, just, like, these two are just such already, like, namesakes in the NBA community. Like, and people outside the NBA are starting to listen. Like, oh, Luka Doncic? Like, I kind of heard about him. But it's mm-hmm. having these two together, like you said, it's almost like a Steve Nash, Dirk, and Mark Cuban's not going to make that it's same like mistake Every twice. single Bleacher Report post i'll say on instagram there's one guy commenting if, if it's about luca he'll comment every time all caps more luca content <laughs> so <laughs> you're definitely right where they definitely have made a name for themselves in the league already and um i'm not is chris Tapps coming back this year no his he, he might it's there's been rumors that he might at the end of the year if like in the playoff race and his acl is good but i think it'd be smart just let him sit yeah. the rest of the year get that knee fully healed and he'll come back next year you guys Probably with Dirk mentoring him all summer. Yeah. Even after he retires, Dirk's probably gonna still hang around there and mentor the young guys. Kristaps could probably just be the next, the next Dirk. And then if Lucas starts talking to just some more point guards, he's already amazing. But if he excels his lovely more, that'll be one of the dangerous two, two punch teams probably in the league. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Dirk just comes on as a player's coach or something for the Mavs oh, next me year. Kind of a Jawan Howard, yeah, you know, type of uh, role or something. Yeah, that that that'd be really smart for him to do. Still make a little money, but you don't have to play. Like he'll start, he'll get in, and like oh, garbage time, Dirk get, get in there. But yeah, yeah, uh, like a Nick Collison, just a guy that's on the bench helps out the guys. And yeah, that'd be a really smart move for him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and now looking ahead, we'll look at the AD trade. The Lakers putting up an offer. All right, so here's the Lakers' offer, a.k.a. most of their team. Uh, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Egram, Josh Hart, Zubak, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and two first-round picks, or, yeah, two first-round picks for Anthony Davis and Solomon Hill. I just, do they really think that just picking up AD automatically means finals? I don't think it does. No, I it really did. don't think it does. It like, d- that that trade legitimately makes no sense, and the Pelicans are. It amazes me that they're kind of just not agreeing to this trade out of just spite of not trading AD to it Lakers. It seems like they're one of those proponents of I'm not gonna let this keep happening in the league. I don't care if we're gonna get a great team. Like I'd rather just kind of piss off Anthony Davis and you know and just not let the Lakers have. "Quote unquote," a su- I don't think that's a super team. That's why I'm so no, confused. No, it's not because it's, it's just two stars, and they don't have a bunch of guys on the veteran minimum that you pick off yeah. off the wire. And I've heard that maybe Jabari Parker might get traded to Lakers, but I mean, that you're—it's still not a great team. Like I don't get why you would trade your entire young core you've been trading and developing and drafting, and then you trade all the way for AD in hopes that he would sign an extension. He said he would, but, I mean, if you miss the playoffs this year, why would you be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to stay on a team that has no future when because LeBron's getting it's, old and all that? It's annoying that the that the trend is like if, if, if you just got LeBron and your team's not doing too well by the playoff deadline or the trade deadline, tr- get a new player. It's like he's he's a – it's a brand new team he's on. There's young talent. It's, it's always first year, He was year injured. Too. Yeah, he was injured for a while. Why are you automatically thinking this isn't going to work? It's like, is, is LeBron not making the finals one year that big of a deal for the Lakers organization? It's Is it going to be that big of a deal if you guys don't, if you guys can't make it to the finals? I think LeBron makes a run in the playoffs no matter what, at least to the Western Conference Finals. I mean, yeah. With with that team he currently has, that's not a bad team. No, not at all. It's like they're just still, like you said, young guys, and they have good veteran. Like they have JaVale McGee, Tyson Chandler, Lance. They got a solid group of older guys. They have Rondo still. It's like that was, team can legitimately make a playoff run, at least win a series. I mean, unless they get yeah. the eight seed and play the Warriors, but they can probably easily win a first-round playoff um, I was I was thinking that trade offers, I, I mean, they probably did do these at first, and the Pelicans denied, but I thought – they would be like, okay, KCP, Josh Hart, maybe Zubak, and then one of your one big stars, Ingram or Kuz, probably, maybe not as much of Lonzo. I wouldn't consider him a young star yet. Yeah. I, I know his dad probably would, but. Um, yeah, and Lavar's trying to get him traded to Phoenix, and it's Which like, wouldn't that, be a bad fit. That wouldn't be a bad fit at all. I just don't see why, yeah, yeah. like, why, or who Phoenix, Phoenix is, because Phoenix would have to trade just. I don't even know who they would trade because they aren't going to trade Booker or Aiton. Or I'd say Kelly Oubre Jr. now. If they still had Trevor Ariza, they'd probably do that trade like yeah. Lonzo for Ariza. But I, I think the Lakers just need to need stop. I think they need to just see what happens in the offseason. They just need to relax, I think. Just like, all right, guys, we need to stop spazzing out and freaking out because we're so losing. So if they, if they do that last trade they just did, like who who starts for them? 
It'd be let's see like here. Rondo. Who who would be the shooting guard? Lance. So Rondo. I guess they still have Lance. So it'd be Rondo, Lance, LeBron, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and probably Javale. But that's not gonna beat the freaking Warriors because you sorry, need a bench. It's not because, yeah, because you need a bench. I'm like you can't have. So I guess would KCP still be there or was he included in that trade? He was included in that trade. Yeah, it was Lonzo, like what, what are you? Yeah, Kuzma, Ingram, Hart, Zubak, and Caldwell Pope. So you're trading away all of your young talent, which is that starting five could legitimately be good. It could win you a couple games. And and I have I have to bring this up on the Will Kane show. He Mr. was Will Kane over here. I no I no relation, but I do really like his show. Yeah, without <laughs> doubt. But he um he brought up a guy who used to work for the Nets back when they traded for Garnett and Pierce. Okay. And he talked about how that guy says Lakers don't do it. Don't 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 do it. Look at the Celtics now after that trade. Yeah. After the after the Brooklyn Nets wanted immediate success, they wanted some yeah, AD's not on the tail end of his career like Paul Pierce and Garnett were yeah. necessarily, but mm-hmm. they wanted immediate success. They grabbed two all-stars in the league real quick and gave away a bunch of draft picks and some good players. Now the Celtics have a Jason Tatum, a Jalen Brown, a Marcus Smart, a Terry Rozier, all through just saying, yeah, we'll suck for a year or two. Yeah, and like I remember watching the Celtics, and then they hired Brad. Like That was when they were down. They were able to get a good young coach in Brad Stevens, who is arguably one of the best coaches in the league mm-hmm. right now. And like you said... They didn't get a ton of players back. Like they got like Wallace and like uh, Gerald Wallace and like a couple other kind of no name guys at this point. They were pretty yeah. good back then, but those draft picks they are so freaking valuable so now valuable. that they're. Sti- I think they have. The you don't last know who's going to be in year. that draft. You, you, exactly. Like it might be a bust, or you might get Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, like you said, Marcus Smart, Rozier. Like that team is completely different, and now they're arguably the best team in the East, one of the best teams in the East. Yep. So it's um and. You know, to to shout out one of my favorite entrepreneurs, Gary Vaynerchuk, sustained success over immediate success, always. Always. Be patient. Take the long road. If the Lakers either don't make the playoffs or lose quickly with LeBron, I guarantee that guy's going to be pretty mad about it. And I guarantee he's going to train like a MF all summer and all offseason. I think he's going to come in and be hungry the next year, and the Lakers will be very ready to go and – get back into the, you know, finals where they should be with a player like LeBron. Yeah, and he still has three – everyone acts like he's on, like, a one- or two-year deal. Like yeah. Next, he still has three more seasons after this, and I think a player option after that. It's like he's still going to be here, be in L.A. for at least three years. You guys need to stop stressing out. It's like No, they want that immediate – we need to be in the We need to be in the finals. We need it, to be, it's like, no, I no, you don't. I think like, it's because they just – they've been so bad since, like, the last three years of Kobe. Like, they have just been – legitimately bad for about six years and the Lakers they can't fathom being bad for any stretch of time yeah and so they get a little taste of success again they're like all right we, we can't be bad again we can't go through that it's like be like every other team in the freaking NBA and have a bad season or two exactly and like get your team up it's like yeah I'm sorry you guys have had a few bad years but go through like half a season more you guys will be great again Quit it's complaining. like has there been any dynasty with LeBron on it you could maybe say the heat maybe I don't know if I consider that a dynasty during that time, but I would say it was just LeBron being LeBron and just making those getting, teams and, great, and getting three championships. Exactly, and yeah. So he got two with Miami, one with Cleveland. Oh, I guess he, so. Yeah, he only won two in Miami, so yeah, it's he like was two for four. Yeah. Why don't Why don't they just look? Why doesn't Magic Johnson look at the formula for the most successful teams in the NBA? The Spurs when they had their dynasty, and currently the Warriors, they drafted. They drafted the majority of that team. Yeah, the, and then the Spurs you, drafted Tony Parker. They mm-hmm. drafted Manu Ginobili. They drafted Tim Duncan, and then Kawhi Leonard for that last championship. And then the Warriors drafted Steph Curry. They drafted Klay Thompson. They drafted Draymond Green. Yeah. it's like why can you not see that formula and go, oh, I don't need to grab three players in their prime and just blow my whole cap space on them, and then s- we better win. Then that's then that then that is the. Uh, Expectation, you better win. Yeah, I mean, and for the Lakers, like, yeah, just like that, it's like you draft a talent. They've drafted some good young talent. I know you don't like Brandon Ingram, but he's been balling out lately. Like, he's mm-hmm. been having a pretty good yeah, sense exactly. of trade deadline. Let or, that pan out. It's like, and then you can sign a player in the offseason before yep. these rookies or these young guys have to get maximum deals. It's like next season will be the the time for the Lakers. They sign AD, or they somehow get Kawhi, or they get Clay Thompson. Or maybe a mixture of any of those, and like they kind of let one guy go. It's like next season will be your guys's year. That will be your absolute best opportunity to win a championship. 
just be patient. And the other thing is, is a lot of these teams think that you can win championships with without a good coach. Once again, look at the Spurs, look at the Warriors, Greg Pop and Steve Kerr. Probably the two best coaches in the NBA right now. Yeah. LeBron has Luke Walton. Luke and, Walton and, and was in when, the same draft as LeBron. That's what blows my mind. And when it? the Lakers were in their dynasty, they had Phil Jackson. And I'm like, so LeBron has won some championships without that great of coaches because he's LeBron James. Yeah. But he also had a great supporting cast. So that's why I'm like, the Lakers need to figure out what's going on right now. You need to probably get a better coach, which I know isn't easy. You don't know what coach is going to be the next Steve Kerr or the next Pop. I heard Mark Jackson rumors that he might be the next coach, and I think that would be an okay fit for the Lakers. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, going off that, like what you just said, LeBron's never had a great coach. Like, the last one I think is Eric Spolstra. And would you consider him a great coach? Well, I'm a Heat fan, so I would. But objectively looking at him, he is like – I would say a pr- above average coach. He okay. knows how to I manage his team, yeah. and he knows how to get them success. Like I remember, like what was it two years ago where they went forty-two and ten, or like thirty-two and ten to end the season and get a playoffs and just miss the playoffs by like half a game. Yeah, it's like he's a good coach, not great, not a top five coach. I won't, no way. Mm-hmm. But LeBron, he's had Ty Lue, he had David Blatt, who yeah. ran out the door in the first season. It's like. LeBron doesn't need a great coach. He needs a suitable coach that knows how to run a team and not have mm-hmm. LeBron do everything. Exactly. All right. So well. I just think trading all your young talent, not 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 the key to this right now. It's not the answer for them. Yeah, in summary, from this whole rant between us, the Lakers should not do this trade for AD right now. Be patient. This. Figure out your team right now. Try to make the playoffs. That, that should be your only focus. All right, next up, not as huge of a trade and – um, but Tobias Harris in NBA circles, he is a very good three and D player, a legitimate like borderline. I wouldn't say star, but a great player to have on your team as Definitely. a third or fourth yep. option. He was traded to the Philadelphia 76ers along with Boban Marjanovic, who stands about seven, six, uh, Mike Scott. Um, so yeah. So Tobias Harris, Mike Scott and Boban Bar- uh, Marjanovic for Wilson Chandler, Landry Shamit. I believe how I say his name, Mike Muscala, a 2020 first-round pick and a Miami 2021 second round or first-round pick, along with two second-round picks. I like this trade. The Sixers are making good moves. I think um, having now Boban and Joel down low at the same time, it's not you don't you don't want to go into the paint with that down there. I mean, you yeah. really you really don't. I know Boban's not the most athletic or mobile player out there, but hey, the dude has improved a lot in his well, time he, in the he NBA. Is, he has gotten so much better since his first season with the Spurs when he just had hype, but now he's really worked on his on his offense and he's still great defensively because he just puts his hand up and he covers the yeah. rim. Um but yeah, I like this trade too. The Clippers, yeah, the LA Clippers, I think I see what they're doing. They're like, "All right, we're going to try and get Kawhi. We're going to try and get these guys that yep. want to come to an LA team, just not the Lakers." And they're clearing up that cuz rumors have it that Tobias is going to want a max level contract, which I think he's almost kind of earned, yep. especially in this NBA, he'll probably get it. So the Lakers or the Clippers are like, yeah, we're just gonna get rid of him. Not even gonna deal with that. Boban, you go too to make the money work. Wilson Chandler, Mike Muscala, like those aren't great players. Like it's just kind of making the money work. Still not bad role players though. They're getting those picks though, and I like that they got those picks for the Clippers because next season, who knows? Maybe Tobias isn't there. Maybe something happens. JJ Redick leaves. It's like that team isn't as great. That could be. I don't know about like a. A super high draft pick, but probably in the 12 or 10 to 14 range. Yep. Best case scenario. So I think this is a good trade for the Sixers. They are getting ready. They're trying to win now this season because they Definitely. think they can compete with the Bucks and the Raptors and the Celtics. And I think you got to make that trade. So they'll have a starting line of of Ben Simmons, JJ Redick, Tobias Harris, um, Joel Embiid, maybe Boban, and maybe Boban. But like that kind of that fist spot is kind of up for grabs at this point. But Oh, and Jimmy Butler. I totally forgot about Jimmy Butler just Jimmy right Butler. there. Jimmy Butler. At the guard. Even, you could even start Tobias out of four. Yeah, you, you could run Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, um, like Tobias Harris, Joel, and Boban if you want to go a big lineup right there. Mm-hmm. And you could – I don't really see how how that probably couldn't work, maybe egos, but, I mean, Tobias Harris kind of knows his role now since pretty much going to Detroit and then going to the Clippers, he's kind of, he knows he's like, all right, like you want me to score 15, 20 points a game? I got you. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely on the side of the, I'm, I'm with you. I think the Sixers had a, got a good end of the deal with this one. So we'll see what they can do with it. And then one more trade, not, not as big, won't make a ton of headlines, but Thonmaker from the Bucks, Milwaukee Bucks, 
to the Detroit Pistons for Stanley Johnson. Uh, Braden, what are kind of your thoughts on this trade? I like Thon. I think he has a high ceiling. He has a lot of uh, potential, and he's really young. He came into the league when he was 19, and he was out Supposedly. of high school technically. Yeah. Supposedly 19. Yeah, this has been, yeah, all the ru- for people who may not know, there are rumors that he was actually like 24 or something like that when he came into the league. <laughs> because it's just like, it's kind of shady when someone comes from. I believe it was from Senegal for him or Sudan. Mm-hmm. And he came over sometimes the ages don't match up all the time. But, yep. I mean, regardless, he's still a pretty damn good player. I know he was uh, he was training with KG for a while, and, yep. he, and he really liked some of the stuff KG's been teaching him. So I think not a bad trade at all. And Stanley Johnson's also a pretty good player. So I think it was uh, – Fair for both teams for with the pickups they got. Yeah, and I think um, I like what the Bucks are doing. They're getting more defense because Stanley Johnson, more of a defensive specialist, doesn't get a ton on the offensive end. Just thing he hasn't really been able to work on. But, yeah, defensively, you just get another wing defender, take some more pressure off of Giannis and Chris Middleton, and just when you have your bench out there, you can try to limit the scoring, keep the games close, especially going into the playoffs. So, yeah, I like this trade, too, for both teams. And uh, now we'll transition to – the NFL, we had the Super Bowl this weekend. Not what anyone really expected with how great these offenses have been playing. Uh, 13-3, to Patriots winning the Super Bowl in the lowest combined total points ever. Uh, Braden, just kind of what we were – how was you the know, Super Bowl for boring you? Boring Super Bowl. We were both right. I thought the Pats were going to win this whole time. But, I mean, my whole thing about it is the better team won. Yeah. When you have that low of a scoring game with some – you know, so – most people would have assumed that it would be probably the Rams winning that game 13-3. If you would have said, who wins 13-3? Yeah, people they would say, oh, the better defense probably held the Pats to three points. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm like, obviously the Patriots earned the Super Bowl and are just a much better coached and just a better team. Their defense was not a great defense in the NFL, NFL all year, and they come out and hold a pretty potent Rams offense to three points. Yeah, I mean, Bill Belichick, his defensive mind, just his ability to scheme. Like, Sean McVay, after the game, the Rams head coach, he said, I got out-coached today. Like, Belichick just out-schemed me. He he had a better game plan. Josh McDaniels just had a better offensive coaching yep. or offensive plan. Because I, I read this, or I saw an interview uh, where they were talking about McDaniels, and he was saying, and they were kind of saying how McDaniels said, oh, I just threw away my whole game plan in the fourth quarter. Like, we just totally scrapped it. And we're like, we need to change this thing up. So they started going two tight end sets, um, eye formation with a fullback, and they were just grounding and pounding. It's like, well, yeah, you got to find something that works. And they came in with it. I wanted the Rams win, but I knew that the Patriots, if it was close, they would come away with the win. The Rams fan base is just sad. They brought nobody to that game. Nope. Nobody. And if that would have been the Saints, oh, my gosh, that would have been a – a packed, packed, very intense game, I think, and probably a lot more exciting <laughs> yeah. if it's the Saints and the Patriots. But it's just, you know, they're a new market in L.A., and in L.A. is L.A., so you have the Lakers, the Dodgers, the Clippers, the Chargers, yeah. the mm-hmm. you know. It's hard having a team come from St. Louis back to L.A. and trying to maintain a really good, supportive fan base. So I, I wasn't really excited about that. The NFL probably lost some money in that aspect. Um this will help, though. Going to the Super Bowl, that helps trying to get a team, more fans, and that kind of fan base. And so, Definitely. And with the new stadium coming, I believe, ne- not this year, but next year, mm-hmm. um, they'll start getting that growing fan base along with the Chargers. The Chargers, I think, deserve a bigger fan base for how good they played this last season. Yeah. And they, they can't even feel it freaking – it was a StubHub Center, which is a soccer stadium for the LA Galaxy. Yeah. They have to board off – or they have to cover up some sections like – the Chargers deserve better than that, honestly. Yeah, they definitely do. What do you think about the whole Edelman MVP controversy? A lot of people are talking about how it's dumb that he got suspended for PEDs, but then again, he's it's okay for him to be the most valuable player in a Super Bowl game. What do you what do you think about that? All right, so just first, I'll just go off the game, and then I'll get into the PEDs after that. So first, for the game, he deserved to win it. 10 catches, 130 yards. It's like no one else really did anything. Yep. In terms of his performance, yeah, he should have won it. But with the PEDs being suspended for the first four games of the year, I, I mean, coming off his ACL tear last year, and he took the PEDs supposedly to get back in into shape and try and get himself ready for the season. I heard it was just cocaine in his system. You you heard it was just cocaine? Yeah, I heard at the NFL, no matter what they fail for for a drug test, they say PEDs for PR oh, okay. reasons to, to save the public image. I don't think Patriots fans or you know, parents of little kids who are Patriots fans, I don't think they want their kids to know that their favorite player was doing cocaine, and that's why he got suspended. When they say PEDs, oh, 
he's just trying to get you know get an edge at yeah. his at his craft or whatever. Yeah. So, that, but that's what I heard. All I don't right, know yeah. if it's true, but so so yeah, not official. But yeah, regardless of what he got charged for, he was suspended. And I wanted. I think that the rule should be more like baseball, to where if you get caught for a PED or you get test positive for drugs, you can't. Um, in the MLB, you can't play in the postseason. Yep. Like regardless of how your ball your team does, you can't play because you got caught cheating. And then if you do that, you for the rest of your career you can't win MVP of, for, of, of the anything. World Series yeah. or of the, the American or National League. And I like that rule. It's like if you get caught cheating, you you lost that right to be to be shown as the best player in the world. Or at least there needs to be some point of like, like all right, you can't be recognized. At least like a season or two where it's like, all right, you lost this privilege to be named the MVP or be accolades um, like in the Super Bowl of the most valuable player. And I agree. It's like you got – you did gain an athletic edge at that point of you taking PEDs, and who says that athletic, that athletic edge is gone now? Yeah. It's like if you take steroids and you get really strong, when you get off them, you don't just lose all that muscle. Especially if you're an NFL player with professional dietitians, professional workout plans, constant yeah. workouts and scheme. It's like – you're still going to be really freaking good, and you just got to even a little bit better. And so Edelman, I'm not a huge fan of his, but like in terms of just the game, he deserved MVP. But with everything going on, I don't think he should have won it. Statistically, he earned it. Morally, not so much. Yeah, I mean, he's the second receiver all time in postseason yards behind Jerry Rice and ahead of Michael Irvin. It's like he has been an amazing postseason receiver for Tom Brady. But, yeah, like we just said, with everything going on around it, it's – it kind of leaves a bitter, bitter taste in your mouth of, all right, I don't, I don't want this guy. And um, real quick, would you, would you consider, you know, you probably hear this a lot, Brady's a system quarterback. That's why he's good. What, what is your view on that? All right, so it's funny to make fun of that, like, Brissy's a system quarterback. Belichick and McDaniels just made the system. I think that's a part of it because Tom Brady – don't get me wrong. Brady's the GOAT. In my opinion, he's the, probably the greatest quarterback of all time. If not the goat to some people, he has to be top three with Montana and Manning. It's like that's just that's just indisputable now. Even with his sixth ring not being the most exciting and him not playing the best game, but with that, he does like doing a lot of checkdowns, a lot of real quick routes. And so I believe that like Peyton Manning, Montana were better passers. But you can't deny that Brady's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever come to the league. Because this is what I say then. So. Um Mahomes is a system quarterback. Does he win the MVP if he's in the I formation? Well, he because he threw for five thousand yards and he was you know probably had the most throw attempts out of any quarterback. So is he a system quarterback? Is that why he's good? That's what I would respond with. It's yeah. the same argument. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's just I think because like not just for me, but for, I know for a lot of fans, especially on Twitter, they don't like the whole checkdown thing. Like that's why I'm not a huge fan of Alex Smith because he does a lot of checkdowns, a lot of just fallback. Oh, my one receipt, my one option is open. Check down to the running back. Or he'll throw the ball at like at most like two yards down the field, but I mean Brady when it comes down the big moments he hit that dime to Gronk in triple coverage. Yep, I'm not Brady is helped by his system. Like that's with any quarterback though is that their system helps them be better, mm-hmm. and his system was probably one of the best ever. But being a great quarterback also helps like that. I think if he was in a different system, Brady wouldn't be the Brady we know today. But that system helped elevate his game to another mm-hmm. level. Kind of same argument, you know. I'm like. If Brady puts up as many pass attempts as Mahomes does, Mahomes does this season, do you think he's putting up the same numbers? I think he about is. I think Brady's thrown for forty five hundred plus. I would and, think so. And probably forty plus touchdowns. If he's throwing the ball that much and he has the same weapons that Mahomes has. Oh, if you put just like switch, like just gave all the weapons from exactly. Kansas City and just put yeah, well yeah, because I mean you have Tyreek Hill, Watkins, Travis Kelsey, you had Kareem Hunt and Spencer Ware and. That's what I'm yeah, saying. So I, I mean, think the whole system quarterback thing is a very stupid argument. I'm like, um, I, yeah. every quarterback could be considered a system quarterback because a lot of coaches will base their offense around the talent that their quarterback has. I would say there's only like, a, I would say there's only a couple quarterbacks who like currently don't have a great system, and that doesn't help elevate their game. And that'd be like Aaron Rodgers. His offense is just kind of nothing at this yeah. point. He's still putting up great numbers, and. I would say, like, last year, it would be Russell Wilson because he carried that team mm-hmm. in rushing and in passing and led them to a 10-6 and record. I would say, like, that's, like, the latest two instances I can think of of a quarterback doing everything when his team's kind of doing everything to hold him back. Brady has always had that system with McDaniels or whoever's running the offense there to kind of just elevate his game. Brady's a great quarterback, but his offense just helps elevate his game a little mm-hmm. bit more. And like but you it's, said, year, it's years like this exactly. where you can argue against that. You said he had nobody. 
Yeah, he had nobody. I'm like exactly, and he still had a. He didn't have an amazing year, but he still had a very solid year. And I'm not arguing that. Is Julian Edelman a top two receiver on almost every NFL roster? No, no, he's not. And but Gronk, he's, large part of the year, he was a blocking tight end. He was a shell of himself. Yep. Um. So anyway, Michelle, I'd say he probably was one of their best receivers this season. And even then, he's a running back. Cordell mm. Patterson, they got him. He was a running back. Large, but to end to end this, you you make, and almost every quarterback's a system quarterback. The Ravens start playing Lamar Jackson. Now they start running the ball with the quarterback a bunch. Oh, he's a system quarterback. No, that's just what you have to do because that's the kind of QB he is. So that's the end of the argument. But Yeah, so I'm pretty sure we will might have another heated debate about this in a little bit because, <laughs> you know, someone's going to say a comment about Brady or whatever. Or uh, Yep. But, all right, so now we'll go into our final segment. As usual, the Mike Leach Award for the craziest sports headline we saw this past week. Um, Braden, what do you got? Um, Mine is... <laughs> I actually don't have the headline pulled up, so this isn't the verbatim headline, but it was the story about John Wall rupturing his Achilles at home. He was at home and injured himself. I would love to know what happened. It always what seems, actually happened. I know. like It's like they say at home, but it's always kind of like makes your mind kind of run wild in your imagination. You're like, okay, what actually was he doing? Like, what kind of stupid stuff was he doing where he said, oh, I ruptured my Achilles? Like, you, you know, he didn't slip on a... On an ice cube yeah, in the kitchen, like, you didn't like yeah. trip over. Did you fall down the stairs or something? You know, and even then, like rupturing your Achilles, like you didn't break an arm. Like, still, it's sad to see him out of the league. But I mean, what really happened there? What's the bigger picture? I was just like, I don't know how that happens, man. But sucks if you're a Wizards fan. Yeah, and uh, well, maybe not. He's kind of been a problem this year. But regardless, he's a good. It player. depends on your point of view. <laughs> yeah, uh, my Mike Leach Award uh, goes for the Indiana Pacers fans who are chanting. Not worth trading to JaVale McGee after chanting, uh, LeBron's going to trade you to Brandon Ingram at the free throw line. Honestly, that just seems like just so perfect. You're pointing at, like, you're shooting shots at Brandon Ingram, trying to shot him. Then you're like, you know what, JaVale McGee, a guy who has no controversy or has really said anything this year, we're going to go after him and say that you're just trash as an an entire arena in unison uh, chants it. I just thought that was just so just awesome. Like, they just thought about it on the spot right there, and it was just hilarious to me. And that'll be all for us here from the Vandal Scoreboard Podcast. Brayden, thank you for joining us. You can check out his works on Inside the Vandals. Check that out on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also check out my work, Zach Kellogg, at uiargonaut.com, thevandalnation.com, and also Inside the Vandals with Brayden. Thank you all for joining us. And as always, go Vandals.